following episode of Dave's Video Graveyard contains spoilers and naughty words. Listener discretion is advised. Of all the film podcasts in the world, this is definitely one of them. Covering the best of the worst and the worst of the best of all things film. This is Dave's Video Graveyard with Polly and Dave. Dave's Video Graveyard, an absolute pleasure to be with you. Paulie, how you doing? I am doing very well. We are celebrating yet again another year special, and this year has required a very little research. <laughs> True to our form, anyway. We will be celebrating the lifetimes, events, and music and movies of 1986, and joining us, our very own Cousin Belky from the show on PBA <laughs> FM. It is Nona Mona. How you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Come on, pep up, pep up, get excited because this is a big year for you. It is. It's the uh, the year that the world changed for the better, do you know what I mean? 1985 was 1985 BN and then this was the year that you were born, 1986. It was. <laughs> do you remember much from the year? I am. I remember. <laughs> I it slid is now out 2019 really quick. AM. Uh, I remember the year I was four. <laughs> mm. nah, really? Nah, you didn't get a notification saying Nona was born? <laughs> no, there wasn't. You weren't at the There was a bright party. shining light. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, the Nona has been born. We called it the Nona. You just remembered some adults <laughs> leaving with some frankincense and myrrh and heading over <laughs> to the northern suburbs. <laughs> That wasn't Frankincense. <laughs> it was actually East Block, but anyway. It was a stolen copy of Frankenstein from the Burnside <laughs> Library. It had the cover ripped off and everything. So, yeah, we are celebrating 1986, a very interesting year. We might start things off with Ben from Toy Power Podcast was good enough to do us another little showcase on the year that was telling us all about what was happening with the toys and whatnot. This is DVG. everybody, this is Ben, representing Toy Power Podcast, back again to shine the light on what was happening in the year of 1986 in the realm of pop culture. You got the touch! First off, 1986 was the year of the animated Transformers film, arguably still the best of the film of the franchise to date. With voices from Orson Welles, Leonard Nimoy, Peter Cullen, Judd Nelson and so on. Quite controversial as they killed off Optimus Prime to make way for a slew of new characters. Needless to say, this scared kids all over the world and angered parents. As a result of this controversy, it forced Hasbro to rewrite the ending of their animated G.I. Joe film. Two of my favourite comic book story arcs originally debuted this year. The Dark Knight Returns is a Batman story written by Frank Miller with illustrations by Miller, Klaus Janssen and Lynn Varley in 1986. It was a limited series set in a possible future portrayed as Batman's last adventure. The story depicts Bruce Wayne as an old man coming out of retirement to be Batman again. Highly recommended all to give this unique story arc a read. Also debuted this year was The Watchmen. It was a 12-issue comic series 
written by Alan Moore and illustrated by Dave Gibbons. Originally published by DC Comics as a monthly limited series from 1986 to 1987, it was later republished as a trade paperback which popularised the graphic novel format to date. Watchmen remains the only graphic novel to win a Hugo Award and is also the only graphic novel to appear on Time Magazine's 2005 list of 100 Best English Language Novels from 1923 to present. Watchmen is set in 1985 in an alternate history United States where superheroes are real and the country is edging closer to a nuclear war with the Soviet Union. The doomsday clock is at five minutes to midnight. On to the toys. My Pet Monster was introduced, a large acrylic plush monster measuring 23 inches tall, featuring blue fur, horns and a fanged smile. Included orange handcuffs, chains that could be attached to the monster's wrists, your own wrists, or you could chain yourselves together. It was a simpler time, and with those handcuff play action feature, likely never to see that in any modern toys. With the support of a cartoon that lasted one season, 13 episodes in total, plus a direct-to-video live-action film. Centurions hit the scene that year too. A toy line by Kenner, each figure came with its own assault weapons systems that mount to the figure's exo-frame. Ace McCloud was air assault. Max Ray was sea assault. And Jack Rockwell was land assault. With the support of a cartoon that lasted two seasons, 33 episodes, this was quite the hit to say the least. Rock Tonka's Rock Lords action figures debuted in 1986, capturing the attention of children with a unique concept. Instead of creating robots that transformed into vehicles, why not have these detailed characters change into colourful rocks? There were two warring factions of the Rock Lords with three different series of toy releases. A very unique toy line, to say the least. With the tagline, Evil That Lies Within, Hasbro's Inhumanoids franchise was a small base of loyal fans on the secondary market due to their strange malevolence evoked by the toy's construction. Most had glowing eyes that lit with exposed to sunlight and an unusually sophisticated backstory which was recounted in a 13-episode TV series. This toy line only lasted one short year due to poor sales, yet the creepily vibe projected by the toy line and the accompanying animation may still haunt the dreams of many children of the 80s. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. In 1986, exploiting Chuck Norris's popularity with children, Ruby Spears produced a truly awful five-episode animated series, plus Kenner Toys released a series of nine Karate Commando action figures. Recounting the adventures of US government operative Chuck Norris, voiced by the actor himself, and his team of martial art experts as they fight the evil organisation of ninjas known as Vulture and their leader Claw. The cartoon tried to capturise the ninja craze of the mid-80s, but Chuck Norris and the Karate Commandos is remembered more for its unintentional comedy. The top five toys on kids' wish lists of 
Christmas 1986 were Hasbro's G.I. Joe, a real American hero, Pound Puppies, Barbie, Teddy Ruxpin, and of course Kenner's Mask, the mobile armoured strike command line of toys. This has been Representing Toy Power Podcast, shining the light on what was happening in the year of 1986 in the realm of pop culture. Massive thanks to Davey, Polly, and of course Casey for allowing me to guest on your program. Good journey. Dave's Video Graveyard celebrating 1986. We're starting with the lowest of the lows from the year 1986. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. What is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Why should he get to skip school when everybody else has to go? Syphilitic meningitis. He never gets caught. This guy in my biology class said that if Ferris dies, he's giving his eyes to Stevie Wonder. Well, he's very popular, Ed. I recall Central Park in fall. Ferris Bueller, do you know him? Yeah, he's getting me out of summer school. They think he's a righteous dude. Think he'll be alive this weekend? I can see him denying popular beliefs, setting off on some impossible mission. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. He does whatever he wants. You know, as long as I've known him, everything works for him. Whatever he wants. He's very cool. And he never gets nailed. Ferris can do anything. Oh, he's such a sweetie. Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Bueller. It's a fool's paradise. He is just leading you down the primrose path. Matthew Broderick. Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller's day off. Because life is too beautiful a thing to waste. If you look in my revisionist history, Space Station Challenger and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's the first wow. Wow. <laughs> The first film we are talking about on this special. A high school wise guy is determined to have a day off school despite what the principal thinks of that. And doesn't 2019 what? paint the principal well? <laughs> That is the official. <laughs> that is the official. That is terrible. IMDb. It is a really bad IMDb <laughs> description of this film. A high school wise guy. <laughs> high school. Ah. Wise guy. Yeah. Wise guy she. <laughs> I just day off. See. <laughs> instead of stealing the red convertible, they steal like a a London taxi, and he stands on the side skirts. <laughs> <laughs> or he goes, he gives wise guys and good fellows like. I just always want to take a day off of school. He goes full Ray Liotta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's Ferris two times. Two times. Two times. <laughs> There's Cameron always sick. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta stop and smell the roses. Stop and smell the roses. <laughs> this film written and directed by John Hughes, starring Matthew Broderick, who Paul will not let me mention killed someone in a car accident. I, it, does that count? Move on. I didn't, I didn't when? say I need to know about this. Let's talk about it off air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why did you guys pick this film to start off a celebration? Because this is the film that signaled to the last day of school for me most times because they'd play it in cl- they'd show it in class and they'd, they'd, they'd roll did out. They, did they let you watch this in high school? Right. They'd roll for Roman school. they'd roll out the uh, TV on the trolley and they'd have the VHS and they'd either be Blues Brothers or Ferris Bueller and I'm like Ferris Bueller not not that I don't like Blues Brothers but Ferris Bueller what was your primary school VHS strapped to a TV player yeah okay so it was was two options yep Mr Bean 
or uh, Round the Twist? Ours was Round the Twist or Storm Boy. <laughs> in year six, we watched My Girl in class. Did you cry? I was bu- oh, saw so much, and I was bullied like the next few days. I was like, oh, you cried. I'm like, oh, he needed his glasses. <laughs> He can't see without his glasses. Are you still in touch with the bullies? Because I'd love to hang out with them. Uh, This film, for it being... Let me give you a little background. The first two years that I was on Wow FM doing the radio show of DVG, Mm -hmm. I didn't miss it for two whole years because I'm a cool guy like that. The first time I ever missed an episode, Paul and one of his friends decided to fill in for that episode. (laughs) They did a live commentary of Ferris Bueller's oh, Day I Off. I love this. Good on you, Paul. No, not at all. That this is, is brilliant. so disrespectful. You finally brought the show up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> How very dare you. Can I just say, in Ferris, I don't know, can you? Ferris Bueller's so Day Off, Matthew Broderick always reminded me of, he always looked like a 40-year-old man trapped in a if they really younger boy's days, body. Be, John Mulaney would do that. <laughs> he would be perfect <laughs> with that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a a hundred percent though. Above, if you uh, yeah, above his uh, above his years, I think yeah, he looks like a four year old. I reckon yeah. And if you look at him in his this year's comedians getting uh, in cars getting coffee, he's just grown older, not bigger or no. You know, he looks in, the same. He's just got a few wise. And Davey had to because he had to impersonate Sloane's father, wherein fooling the principal, and they could extend their um, Ferris Bueller's Day off for the rest of the film. This is. <laughs> This is such a tough film. You guys should feel for me right now. This is such a tough film to be the most hated film that you have because it's much like when you don't like certain bands. Like, I really hate the band Kiss and I feel like I'm constantly having to justify it. I don't like eating seafood and I feel like I'm constantly... I just pretend to be allergic to it now because I'm so sick of just having to give everyone the basics of I don't like it. I don't like Ferris Bueller, but it comes up maybe every second day. <laughs> Whether it's on TV. It's a legacy day. You said, <laughs> Dave, you said off air that the scene that you hated the most was the scene of the parade in the movie. The twist and shout pantomime. What's that about? Because that's, for me, that made that movie. I My favourite scene of this movie is Charlie Sheen making out with his sister yeah, in the police station. Yeah, that's a good scene, I've got to say. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, that's your favourite scene. I I quite often wonder if we're ever going to get Jeffrey Jones and Charlie Sheen in a movie together again. Would it be with uh, produced by Tom Sizemore? Oh my gosh! It's just called <laughs> Unwatchable. Um, Jennifer Grey plays uh, Jeannie uh, Ferris's sister, and I think she steals the show. Like her storyline, she basically just wants them to get caught so bad, and then at the end, like she gets this sort of moment of clarity. She's like, Nah. Nah, I'm going to forget that he's a spoiled brat. <laughs> I'm not going to help him. Because Ed Rooney has been in my house for the last seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> Were you guys sicky kids? Did you used to chuck sickies for your parents? No, I wasn't. I, look, I, I was, I'm very bad at lying. So, yeah, I, I couldn't do it. What were you? No, my parents were ethnic and they were like, you have to go to school. <laughs> Even we, if I hadn't like... We stitched the arm back on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favourite thing to do in school was call in sick, but there was... Mum and Dad discovered this uh, task, if you will. They discovered this cherry cough medicine, that, but it was like back in the days where medicine was a coverall, like it was for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I was happy to have a massive spoonful of Salvital in a small glass wow. of water right. and some of this medicine, I could stay home. 
And they knew that Did you only... then black out for the next nine hours and <laughs> have to deal with it? No, it was methamphetamine. So um, I cleaned the house beneath and above the carpet. But no, like it was such a bad medicine that I'd be like, oh, guess I'm going to school then. Wow, so it worked. But then at recess, I'd tell the teacher I felt sick and mum would have to come pick me up. Because I, <laughs> I had Legos to build. Sorry, I take that back. I had Lego to build because I'm not an animal that says Legos. <laughs> Is it Lego or Lego? The family were named Lego, but it's Lego. Trust me. I need to stay home and work on this thick Mortal Kombat <laughs> drawing that's going to be. Well, <laughs> we covered in a previous episode what I used to do with my Lego and it really upset Paul. Yeah. yeah what is it, it that you did? I saw a movie that had a giant... <laughs> Paul's freaking out. Stop it. I saw a movie that had a giant caravan made out of bones. So I used a chicken carcass and some Lego and made my own, much to my dad's upset. Wait, 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 wait. You put the chicken carcass. You made like a cage for the chicken carcass. I made a caravan with the rib cage of the chicken carcass as the cage because that's what it was like in the Star Wars movie. That's kind of creative, but also like (laughs) spectrum-y. I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that story so much. It disturbs the crap out of me. It's weird. (laughs) I recently told that story and at that moment, I knew what Paul wanted for his birthday. (laughs) (laughs) TriStar Pictures announces the collaboration of three extraordinary talents. Jim Henson, creator of The Muppets and Dark Crystal. (laughs) Where you going with a head like that? George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars saga. the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. (laughs) Together, they will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. A world where anything seems possible and nothing is what it seems. Everything I've done, I've done for you. I move the stars for no one. Here we are. Now, now, run so hard, run so far. The world of Labyrinth. I've just found out some disturbing news, much like one of those bulletins on live breaking news. <laughs> I've just found out that my female counterpart, Nona Mona, has never seen The Labyrinth. No, I haven't. I don't, I've always heard of it and I've heard people talk about it, but never seen it. What can you inform me? Give me a quick rendition. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show. Break this down for us. Before the never ending story no, okay. and all the other whimsical children's films. There was a film made by Jim Henson and George Lucas. So George Lucas of Star Wars fame, yep. Jim Henson of the Muppets fame. They created a movie about Jennifer Connelly is a whingy bitch, basically. <laughs> and she doesn't want to babysit her baby brother. So she is very theatrical, um, hard to get along with. She's, you know, the way there's those girls you grow up with. Some of them get so into horses 
Horse girl. Yeah, a horse girl. Imagine a horse girl that's more into like the Lord of the Rings and reading plays aloud. Like she'll cosplay, go down <laughs> to the park. selling this movie. <laughs> anyway, she wishes on the Goblin King that her brother will be taken away by the Goblin King. And surely enough, the Goblin King, played by David Bowie, takes him away to his magical labyrinth that she has to make her way through. And it is a whimsical delight. The All the special effects are pretty much practical, except this was the first movie to feature CGI realistic animal. It had an owl at the start that now wouldn't even be good enough to be drawn on MS Paint, but at the time <laughs> it was the world's thing. But the music in it is amazing, and it was one of my favourite childhood movies, other than there was a scene with a, a group called the Fire Gang that used to give me nightmares, so I had to fast forward that part of the movie. Is it quite a dark film? or No. Is it- that's no. the Dark Crystal. The Dark Crystal is, which is right. another film from the same makers. This is, it's basically 1986's answer to Harry Potter. Got yeah. So okay. it's more that whimsical kind of thing. I just love everything about this film. Paulie, back me up for once. You can see David Bowie's penis in it. Yes, the entire movie. Is that a movie. child's movie? It is yeah. a child's movie. Not a naked. <laughs> he wears... Um, he wears tights. Right. He wears tights or possibly they just painted his lower half the colour of his pants because that's what it looks like. How is that? I love that that's Paulie's backup. You're like, back me up. I was like, there's Bowie. You can see penis. The whole movie, Jareth, the Goblin King, he has crystal balls that he does all magical tricks with his hands. Uh And he used to blow me. (laughs) (laughs) It used to blow blow me away. I used to love watching it because it was just so intricate what he would do. And then as an adult, watch the making of where it's really a guy standing behind him, much like whose line is it anyway, (laughs) putting his arms under and doing all the tricks. And that was devastating to see as an adult. But the one thing that I appreciate with the labyrinth as an adult rewatching it, she wakes up at the end of the film in her own bedroom because she's made it out of the labyrinth. And at that point it shows her bedroom and there's like the... Uh, MC Ursha or whatever it is, painting on the wall of the never-ending stairs, everything. She's got a board game of Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, everything in a room is the plot of the movie. We see that at the start too. I never looked into it that much. So is it, <laughs> is it insinuating that's a dream? Kind of, yeah. You don't know is basically the payoff. But just the visuals of this movie, um, I always... There's a character that is a little dog that you would love that actually rides on another little dog called Ambrosia, which is an awesome name for a dog. The soundtrack's really good. It's, it's like just Bowie, just Bowie, Bowieing the hell out of stuff. Bowie, Bowie. <laughs> it's just so... It's so Bowie. Bowing, Bowing, Bowing. Bow, yeah. Bow. I'm not sure the backstory of like why... Yeah, I'm not sure the backstory of why they got him in particular, but yeah. Yeah, because he's a very obscure character to have in a children's show. Because he's an absolute master of music. And he's probably the most famous person they could get involved in. Didn't time. he have sex with an underage person? What's this <sighs> over at PBA? It's <laughs> 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 your PBA crowd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly. Well, I could, why am I from the wrong side of the track? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on and still on the talking about um, men's penises. Top Gun came out this uh, this year as well. Send you up against the best. Yes, sir. You two characters are going to Top Gun. I feel the need 
speed for speed. Five weeks, you're gonna fly against the best fighter pilots in the world. You guys really are cowboys. I don't like you because you're unsafe. That's right. I am dangerous. The wild card flies by the seat of his pants. Yeah, I guess when I see something, I go right after it. It takes a lot more than just fancy flying. Gentlemen, this school is about combat. There are no points for second place. You figured it out yet? What's that? Who's the best pilot? No, I think I can figure that one out on my own. Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis. Top Gun. I hate this movie so, so much. And I was made to watch it quite a lot during my uh, my youth um, <laughs> by my sister. <laughs> and um, I don't know, like, like, I haven't watched it. Have you seen it in the last, say, 10 years at all? Yep. Does it hold up whatsoever? Is it is it like the? It's being remade. No, no, it's it is sequel. being remade or sequel. Oh, sorry, okay, yeah. sorry. I really like um in because I'm a really big fan of Anthony Edwards. Like I was a huge ER fan, um, and then when I found out he was in it, I was like, like, like I couldn't remember him. I couldn't place him, but I didn't want to go back and watch it because it was just so horrible. Let me put it this way. Hot Shots is one of my favourite yes! movies of the early 90s. So this film couldn't hold a candle to the parody version that is Hot Shots. Agreed. But the volleyball scene in this movie is just something. It is next level. I do not know how the same person came up with this movie and put that volleyball scene in there because it is... It's basically the... Remember the Satisfaction music video with right. the chicks? It's guys playing volleyball. And... Uh, it's also sad to see, revisiting, see what Val Kilmer looked like in his prime as compared to, not not lately, I'm not having a go at that, but maybe like 10 years ago, Val Kilmer, yeah. he uh, didn't age well. Right, okay. This is one of, oh, sorry. You sorry, I just recently started watching Top Gun for the first ever time. Okay, did you get, did you get through it? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I did you want to get through it? <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried really hard. I did the part. I, I think I got up to the part where he flew upside down on top of the other jet and then took a photo of that person. That's, that's, that's like Gun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just remember because um, I find 80s Tom Cruise like peak annoying Tom Cruise. Like, oh, I, like started, I started liking going. I started liking Tom Cruise. No. Like, Cocktail, cocktail is the most insufferable Tom Cruise. Jerry Maguire is pretty insufferable, dude. True, but that's that's adult Tom Cruise, but young teen twenties mm. Tom Cruise mm. that you had here. Yeah, I'm not sure what Even, you top. Uh, I, 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 I don't like. I really like. Um, uh, what's the the military volleyball? No, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> um, A few Jerry men. Maguire. Figure men. Figure men's like. Yes, really, really Jerry good. Maguire, the, <laughs> the, na- the Navy base courtroom drama. <laughs> um, Do you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. You complete me. <laughs> I don't know why he's southern, but he is. But yeah, like that's that was in there. But like, yeah, top, the Top Gun's just never been. I don't know. Like, I, I, it's one of those movies I wouldn't be like. Yeah, I love Top Gun. I wouldn't be like. Shouting it from the There's dudes types. like that though. I've met groups of dudes that stop everything and start dancing and doing a scene from there when that. <gasps> Can I ask you something? No. Is that? Do you have, have you heard of the phenomenon of when Eagle Rock plays at a wedding that the guys are supposed to drop their dance? Yes. This was pointed out to me by a good friend of the show, Nona Mona. <laughs> 
I went to a birthday party. It was a 21st or something like that. Yeah. And all the dudes got in a circle, dropped their dacks and started just... And it's this really weird sort of like um, <laughs> droopy sort of dance. Like, it's like, not I was even... told this week. <laughs> yeah. It was like this, it's like a little shuffle, and, it's, and apparently it's supposed to be like um like the eagle drop is like, is the way right. that they wow, it. it's got a name. And they tried to persuade me that this has been happening for ages, and I said, I can tell you right now, this has not been happening for ages. But that's what I said, and then this this girl's like, no, 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 it's been happening for ages, and she's like, and then we found out it's like the Kadena Football Club like was started it. Oh, are you serious? Because he has caught on. <laughs> I saw it at a wedding in Broken Hill last year. <laughs> I have tried my own starting one. Every time Love Shack starts, poop on the floor. <laughs> Didn't catch on. But I've also got a much smaller friend group now. <laughs> Top Gun just... turned out it was actually paid for in part by the military because it essentially is a massive recruitment drive, which yeah, it works. Much like Karate Kid did to basically karate dojos yeah, all across yeah, the land. Yeah. Top Gun was, oh, let's go and join the Navy or the Air Force. Even. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do in the Navy. but yeah. I actually also heard that, um, heard that Anthony Edwards hates this movie now because he's like actually quite anti-war. And he's like, and he, at the end of it, he's like, oh, I just did a recruitment film. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I tried, did it pay the bills? Yeah. I tried <laughs> to watch Top Gun and the scene right near the start where one of the characters says, you've got your father's eyes just instantly takes me back to Hot Shots where he opens his dad's eyes in a glasses case. Yeah, this movie, it holds such a place. It's like ACDC. You either absolutely love it or you think it's the worst ever. There's no in between. Yes. And I cannot stand Top Gun. Or ACDC. And I'm a massive 1980s music tragic, but I cannot stand Take My Breath Away by Berlin. When that ca- came on the shops the other day, and I like, it's like a um, that response that you get. I remember being in the car, in the back of my mum's car, and that song must have been on, and I was like crying. And all I can hear now is like a a vivid memory of like, take my breath. (laughs) I have the exact same thing for Richard Marks Hazard, and I don't know why it is. Let's ride! The Three Amigos. They were the biggest stars of their day. The three amigos are history. But that was yesterday. Look, boys, I know showbiz. Something always turns up. Telegram for the three amigos. Steve Martin. Ah! Chevy Chase. Do you have anything besides Mexican food? Martin Short. The Three Amigos. Throw down your gun. Not you, Dusty. Sorry. 
Three amigos. I'll come back one day. Why? Oh, this is a night full of betrayals, I feel like. <laughs> I've just found out that Paul hates the film, The Three Amigos, <laughs> and I'm so personally attacked by that fact. Wow, what is there to hate about this movie? It's just annoying. Like, I think with that, like, I have now... I used to really like Chevy Chase. But you're the Saturday Night Live guy. I know, I know. <laughs> but I don't like... I love, and back in the day, I probably liked it more than I would now, but, like, I don't like Chevy Chase anymore. Steve Martin, I just told you, and got, like, completely... Yeah. <laughs> Steve Martin? Face. Steve Martin is not a great actor. I'm saying hey, it right wow. now. Wow. Top wow. ten comedians in my life. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, he would probably be just... I, I know I can't think about visually it. Think show. about it. Think about it. He would be is a step though? down from John Candy in my book. You're, that is blasphemy. No. No, 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 no. He's not above. There. He's under... But he's up there near John Candy. The only thing he did that was actually any good was with John Candy in Planes, Trains and Automobiles. No! Uh, <sighs> another film that we're covering on this very episode proves you wrong, but I love this movie. It is amazing. Yeah, like, i got to say, it's one of my and favorites. And just, just this week it was released news that Chris Hemsworth is attempting to reboot this movie oh, with oh. him, uh, Chris... Uh, Captain America and Robert Downey Jr. That's what he wants to do yeah, with the three horrible. amigos. Right. Um, I can't believe you don't like this movie because it is... Introduce the world to Martin Short, another very unfunny <laughs> man. <laughs> Excuse me. I will give you exhibit Father of the Bride 1 and 2. Yes. Jiminy Glick will just pretend didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the rest of the world. What was the one that he was in where... In a space? No, the one where he got stung by a bee. That's where I remember. Like he was in the. Uh, was it, was that My Operation, girl? Operation Operation Dumbo Drop or something like that. It's, it's That's along, got, that was Ray Liotta's follow up from Goodfellas. It's something along those lines. It's just like he's. It's, I always remember. Um, yeah. Does Martin he wear Shaw. Does he wear fat makeup after he gets stung by the bee? Are you <laughs> thinking of Inner Space? No, it's not Inner Space. Inner Space is it's a still, needle. I love that movie. It is amazing. And also exhibit A of um, Martin Short. What's that one where he plays a little boy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretending that movie doesn't exist because I only found out about it last month. What was it? There's a movie much like Little Man where he is made to be a child. (laughs) But it is early 1990s, so the special effects are there. They just filmed the back of an actual child in a lot of scenes. (laughs) Then they cut to him with an oversized set. Oh, my God. Okay, I'll pay that. But this pure movie... luck was pure luck was the one that with 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 um with Danny Glover. That's why I thought it was Operation Dumbledore Drop. That was the one where he gets the the bee sting. The one with um where he sends it to a child. I need is like Clifford. It's Clifford. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Clifford. <laughs> Hang on, check. So I take it you don't have tickets to see uh, Steve Martin and Martin Masterclass. Short live. Clifford. Clifford. Wow. With your mate Charles Grodin. Oh, that that seems like the <laughs> Opposite. That movie sounds like a punishment more the, so than a movie. The front cover of that film is offensive. <laughs> it's so offensive. The movie Clifford, for me, would be that the... That was a young child. Look at him. That movie sums up when people tell me movies to cover for this podcast. When people say, you know what you should cover? And they tell me a movie. That's exactly what Clifford seems to me. It's like, that just seems like a lot of work. Clifford. Three Amigos like- is about three actors set in the 1920s, I reckon. 
They're at the top of their game and they decide that they're too big for the studio. So they ask for more money, at which point the studio points out, <laughs> we own all your clothes, all your cars, all your houses. So you guys are fired and you're out, at which point they get a telegram from Mexico saying, come and fight the infamous El Guapo. So they go to Mexico thinking they're being hired for a performance because in a circumstance misunderstanding, the Mexican village think they're actually the three amigo cowboy heroes they play in the movies. It's straight up the same story. I did not realize that. (laughs) So if you want to see where A Bug's Life came from... (laughs) Go see A Bug's Life, because uh, not many people referencing that Pixar goal. I'll give you two more reasons I don't like film. John Landis. <sighs> and moving on to Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> John Landis Helicopter, as he's known here on DVG. Before um, apparently, we get into Chevy that, Chase made a joke that he didn't think John Landis could hear him, and they got into a fist fight on the set of Three Amigos. <laughs> John Landis is a film director that did the Twilight Zone movie. Whilst right. making it, he kind of Don't he shot it kind of <laughs> he did. shot it in Vietnam because there was yes, no rules. Yes, I remember rules. this. And then someone a helicopter crash cut the two child actors and the main star That's of the right. movie's head off. Tried to blame it on his unit B director, saying like, "Oh, it was, it was my co-director." And then, but there's like audio going, "Get the shot, get the shot." <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> and a helicopter go lower, get the helicopter lower, and it's uh, yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. I'm not sure if we have to say it allegedly. Also, the apple does not fall far from the tree. Max Landis' wrestling isn't wrestling is still fantastic, but he's a terrible person. Let's uh, look into Max Landis. It all began in this little shop. Ow! Damn roses! Where, strange as it seems, something extraordinary happened. I'm afraid it isn't feeling very well today. No, it's not this What kind of a weird plant is that, Seymour? Little Shop of Horrors, a story about a boy. I've given you sunlight. I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy. Unless I open a vein. Where did you get such a weird plant? A girl. A florist. I'm telling you, Audrey, he's not a good, clean kind of boy. He's a professional. I've been saving all month for this. I think I need a root canal. I'm sure I need a long, slow root canal. And a plant. Feed me all night long. How am I supposed to keep on feeding you? Whoa! Face me now! I'm just a mean green mother from out of space and I'm playing. I'm just a mean green mother from out of space and it looks like you've been hanged. Yes! Rick Moranis. Man's a total disgrace to the dental profession. Ellen Green. Excuse me. Excuse me what? That's better. Vincent Gardenia, with special guest appearances by Steve Martin, John Candy, and Bill Murray. It's your professionalism that I respect. Little Shop of Horrors. One of my favorite musicals of all time. Which underlines my case about Steve Martin as a cameo, fine. (laughs) Not a whole movie. 
Not a whole movie. <laughs> this perhaps is the world's greatest musical simply for the fact featuring guest spot appearances by John Candy, yeah. Steve Martin, and Bill Murray. Yeah, that is. That's uh, up there. Oh, I just can't believe that the one of the holy men of the 1980s you don't hold in the esteem <laughs> that I thought you did. Do you like John Candy, though? Yeah. Yeah, he's a gun. Yeah. And I like, um, I like Rip Moranis, like. A lot too. I don't know. It's just, I think it was because he's done so many not great, like his post, I mean, like bringing down the house with Queen Latifah. <laughs> I love eight. that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and and Bowfinger? Bowfinger's cool. I like Bowfinger's Bo good. But um, I find um, with musicals in the last like year or two, like it's kind of like, you know, with like middle aged men and jazz, they're like, or like middle aged <laughs> men and like certain things that they wouldn't encounter in their 20s, they would, they would, they would hate it. I am like really into musicals now. <laughs> it could be the fact yeah. that I like I watched a lot of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, <laughs> but like I watched, I've been watching Heat's Worm and I really like him. I was like, I wish I'd done this a lot earlier. I was kind of oh. yeah. It's it's one of those things. Is like not just Grease <laughs> or Grease Two, but like the whole range of musicals. So yeah, and this is one of my favorite ones. It's probably the funniest one that I've done. This yeah. is straight up my favorite musical. I'm constantly fighting with people that are saying it's either Grease or Rocky Horror Picture Show. You would have a background of musicals because I'm just assuming because you're a burlesque performer. So did you to just fit the mold, I certainly, background? I certainly did. Prove me wrong. Being a burly. <laughs> <laughs> What's the question? What Do you are like your musicals? favorite musicals? Um, I'm actually not a musical girl. I'd I'd prefer my movies just straight up, and then. Less singing, unless they're good songs. Like I say, Grease, all the songs are catchy and you just kind of get into it. But uh, I'm trying to think of a bad example. Like, I, d- I didn't really like Chicago. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. Like, I, it's probably because it's got Richard Gere in it. And I, like, he, he was not right <laughs> for that movie. He was <laughs> very miscast. And Renee Zellweger. Is she in that? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. These ants are ruining our picnic. <laughs> this picnic's ruining Jeez. our ants. You leave Renee alone. Oh! Little Shop of Horrors, a nerdy florist finds his chance of success in romance when he finds a giant man-eating plant. This was a massive film for my entire family. Like, this is one that we sat and watched as a family okay. many times. Right. I recently spent some time back in Broken Hill and forgot that maybe my love of film doesn't run very deep in my family. <laughs> I had downloaded the director's cut of Little Shop of Horrors in which the end, instead of Seymour defeating Audrey 2, Audrey 2 eats Seymour, eats uh, Audrey 1, takes over the entire planet and the last 20 minutes of the film is giant Godzilla-sized Audrey 2s eating the city, fighting with the military, eating the military and that and it ends with the three doo-wop singers that <laughs> narrate the whole film. Them basically doing, uh, explaining how Earth lost to the giant plants. Wow. Well, they definitely did a better and job. And mum and dad seated, sat watching this movie with me in a nostalgic way going, oh, it's just like when we used to watch it. Then for an ending they'd never seemed to be tacked on, took it pretty badly. They really you did. Ru- oh, no, you ruined a no. memory. I did. I really did. But it was... Unintentional. I thought you were going to say I went back to Broken Hill and they finally got it on the set. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. This isn't out yet. My, my movie for nostalgia with family was Uncle Buck. Yeah. That was like a sit down. <laughs> we recently covered on the podcast and there's like, there's a couple of like 
very, very MA jokes in that movie that are just like sort of just glossed over. And I was just like, ah, oh. watching it in like watching a lot of these movies with adult eyes, you're just like, oh, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a bit more going on here. And having a daughter, I look forward so much to drilling out the doorknob at one point <laughs> when she's older. You know when cool. he drills the yeah, doorknob yeah. off? <laughs> and I, I want to see you in a little, a little hat too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and an overcoat. Shout out to one of my best mates, Mitch, that's just made the jump to bowler hats at age 34. And it's, oh. <laughs> yeah. A Shout bowler out to hat? Yeah. That's a little bit round. Bowler hats, because sometimes you want to wear your red flag on your head. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at Saturday Night Live while we're in the Little Shop of Horrors camp. What yeah, was the year like? We had... The starting season of one of my favorite, our favorite um, actors of all time, Phil Hartman. He joined uh, Danny Carvey, Nora Dunn, Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson, John Lovitz, and Dennis Miller. John Lovitz is terrible. Well, I love if, John Lovitz. If you hate John Lovitz, you've just saved me a lot of money on Cameo for your birthday. <laughs> um, did you ever do that? <laughs> I actually, Hello, Paul. <laughs> I contemplate Acting. which, as I tell you, for some reason I keep, because a good friend of ours, Shannon from High Fidelity, he got one of the guys from No Effects to yep. do a Cameo for his radio show. Yep. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to look into it. And I cannot stop going back to Michael Bean's because he doesn't look well and he's really not trying. <laughs> and then I fall down the hole of watching all these B and C grade celebrities doing them and just seeing how much effort they put in. Like there's ones that think they're above it. And then you get the likes of like Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters that puts everything into it, films it professionally and like does everything you want. But then you get the likes of uh, John Lovitz and stuff like that. I'm going to eat like, chicken and say yeah. happy birthday. It pretty much it's a phone camera where they're just like, their face looks like a thumb because it's too low down. Yeah. Or they do. He thinks he's sexting. <laughs> there is a few celebrities that have the old man and woman factor, which is where they don't understand where to hold their iPad when oh, they're filming themselves. <laughs> so it's either way too close. How... As a somewhat of a public figure online with uh, your boobs out, how often are you contacted by guys that are just really close-up photos of their face, old men? Um, no, it's not usually that. It's always um, from a certain area of the world. Right. And um, it's usually just either weird charming photos like attempted charm where they've overdressed and they're like sleek hair and they have professional photo shoots and they send me that or it's just a dick pic right there is no medium i was gonna ask how many times has john lovitz (laughs) (laughs) oh hello now (laughs) now i would froth (laughs) i'm gonna say every time you appear on our show our audience diversifies (laughs) We get uh, our we get the uh, numbers. Let's just say certain parts of the world, our download numbers go way up. <laughs> SNL wasn't that big of a year. Was that was that no. the year where I think maybe the following year or the year after they fired everyone except Eddie? No, Murphy? that was before that. Before then, yeah, this is after Eddie Murphy and stuff. So um, Al Franken was there. Mm. No thanks. <laughs> uh, Kevin Nealon started as a he was one of the um, the add on players. He was yep. like the full on feature players. Yep. Feature players, yeah. Um, and uh, like it was like I remember some stuff in the season, but like I think Phil Hartman really and Daniel Carvey really got the ball rolling when like Mike Myers joined him a couple of years later. That's when you start Adam Sandler, Chris Farley sort of going on. So when these they used to replay these episodes um, on Foxtel, I think this is the season. These are the seasons where I was like, 
look, I'll watch it, but I know I'm going to be skipping through a lot of it. <laughs> they have some pretty decent musical guests, but yeah, it's um, it was a really weird time for TV. I sent you guys a list earlier in the week, so. <laughs> Perfect Strangers started, which yeah. was uh, do you have the basically song? where thought, you go. What was do you, that? Do you have the theme song? <laughs> I do have. Can you put that on? Yeah, we need to. Got, like, <laughs> I agree. That is. Perfect I really. Mood music, son. Ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I really related with Balky because when I came to Australia. Making friends, you know. And now you did the happy dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the dance of love or whatever. <laughs> now we do the dance of love. <laughs> and you think, like, you look at all the flack that Hank Azaria's copped on The Simpsons. Oh, man. For doing brown face. How's Balky going to go when they he bring it He came from back? a mythical... It's not from an actual country, though. It was like... It was, like, it was it always was, kind of eluded, wasn't it? Like, yeah. of, of a certain area. Yeah, I, um... Because like when I was when I was, the first time I saw the thing for Borat, I was like, "That's just perfect. That's just Balky. <laughs> He's doing Balky." <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's it was a we um... ah so good. I found Balky really hot. Oh yeah. Have you seen the Langoliers and True Romance? Nah. He plays such different characters that, to my young mind, when I first saw both those movies, I couldn't accept it. Right. And he pops up in Bit Belleville's cop too. How did we get a fuller house and not a perfect uh, strangers? Yeah, but Alf started. Alf is one of my favorite shows. Like I didn't think I needed a fairy alien eating cat eating <laughs> alien in my life. But uh... can I just uh, play you a little bit of the theme song? How unfitting is this of the show that Alf was? Oh, it's nearly dinner time in my house in the 1980s. <laughs> the theme song to ALF sounds like what would be in the bed of an induction video at a burger joint. <laughs> Thanks for joining our team. You're going to be making burgers in no time. Sometimes you see a co-worker and you think she looks nice, but you shouldn't say she looks nice. <laughs> uh, Jerry Seinfeld's mum played the next neighbour in ALF. That's all I remember. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yep. Um, Alf seems like a property that is prepped and primed for a streaming service. Oh yeah. Like, um, why are they not I've making a new times, season? The uh, there is a Christmas episode that runs long. I watch it every year, <laughs> and every year I'm just a puddle of tears afterwards. That was your suggestion. It was because it's so out. so. Oh man, it just rips at your heartstrings. I want Alf back on air because of all the jokes they can make about eating cats in 2019. I know exactly how they word it and everything. <laughs> I find that personally offensive. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I think there was also like um, the, the the awesome thing about that is that he there was lots of jokes made of the fact that he couldn't do what ET did. Like he was just like he's like, nah, I'm. I'm this is pretty much all I do, really. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just eat cats. Um, we also the movie show with Margaret and David. Margaret and David. Oh good, wow! Good, is that when it started? Good yeah. friends of the show. Um, <laughs> we uh, we see eye to eye with the movies like Jackass and yeah. movies like that. <laughs> I always tell the story. Whoever produces them at some point got really disheartened and hated them because you'd tune in and it'd be like, this week we went and saw. A Serbian language film about, you know, the winter and, you know, growing crops in the winter. And also Jackass 3. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, there's no way their producer was like, David will love this. 
we played Knuckles and David had to go see that one. <laughs> My cousin once sent me a list that was, because there's an internet database of the scores ever since 86 when the show started, of how many stars they've given over the years. Right. One star is, if I had to die with choosing one of the stars to only watch those movies, one's for me because they did not like From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. They really tore apart a SBS lot of my favourite movies. have been randomly playing, replaying them too, or Viceland has? Like, it's been like, very late at night. Well, hang on. It's cause, on. Because he left first, didn't he? Yeah, because then, then she went to Foxtel. But um, the, so the show's not really on anymore. She went to the ABC, actually. And, then, and she, yeah. did, she did it with someone else for a while. Yes. Because is the original movie show, is that not what Mark Fennell now does? In a, in a way, yeah. But I think... Um, they they were showing and reruns. what was what was Les on Saturday night? I thought that was the movie show. No, that was um, oh, it's called uh, it was like the um. Uh, I wish I knew it as a kid because I have a lot of fond memories of SBS, but SBS stands for sex, bum. Ah, uh, no, sex, boobs, soccer. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what it was in the nineteen nineties. It was. Yeah. Now it's Vice. <laughs> <laughs> now it's uh, 400 different Action Bronson cooking shows. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man, Vice. So we also had um, the Knight Rider finished. That was thankful. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. How many seasons of that? Um, and then we also had stuff like The Flying Doctors, man. My mum watched that. Like the that Flying and G- Doctors. And GP. Remember GP was on... ABC and stuff like GP. GP, yeah. Um, and Prisoner Finished. Prisoner Finished, yeah. The uh, long-running... is that That's what Wentworth is, yeah? I only just found this out that it was because I was like going, oh, that's kind of weird that they would like sort of do something that's exactly like Prisoner. It's like, yeah, it's Prisoner. <laughs> the Flying Doctors started, which uh, that was basically a precursor to Country Practice. I was, it was just a about super to say, self-serious... When, uh, when was a Country Practice... Late 80s, early that would have been, I reckon, like around this time, though, like until Even early 90s. That, actually, yeah. Because I always wanted to call a band Esme Squatson, but no <laughs> one wanted that name. I've been voted out of many a band conversations with that one. The Degeneration was happening that time, which was, I believe, it was Tony Martin, a lot of the full frontal guys as well. Yep, yep. Yeah. That was, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a golden and then age. They sort of split up, like, oh, sort of a country off. practice first aired in 1981. Oh, wow. Wow. That's so weird seeing, growing up with a country practice and then seeing that full Monty with, that was on TV oh, with cr- Georgie yeah, Parker. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh. I don't know if I'm ready to see someone I grew up with, Knox. And it, uh, it finished up in 1994. Do you remember when Benita from Play School <laughs> went to the Logies or something with a see-through mesh top? With nothing underneath? No. No, my childhood wasn't, wasn't ruined. It really happened. I Benita? <laughs> yeah. Was with, she the one with the big... With the hair. Yeah, yeah the hippie. She went with a see-through top to one of the award ceremonies and it changed my childhood mind. Because Nomi went on to Better Homes and Gardens. Yes, yes. And, and that was kind of acceptable. She was the... For her, growing up watching Noni Hazelhurst on Play School, then when I was a bit older, she was on a TV show called Clowning Around which was a Saturday morning like show. <laughs> the first episode, she takes her son to the train station to go on a holiday. She goes, I'll wait right here, walks away and gets Children Protective Services to come and take the son, the son wow. away from her. And that is hard to take from Noni 
when you grew up with her reading you books and telling you what the rocket clock was doing? Clowning around. Get into it. Is that when the guy ends up at clown school? Yes. Yes, I With saw- Ernie Dingo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that came out in 1986, but definitely worth the thing. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here, and a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. Ow! They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where big trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. Jack! They told him to go to hell. He make one move. And that's just where he's going. Somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. How are you going to spring us? I have no idea. There are many mysteries, many unanswerable questions, even in a life as short as yours. My destiny rests in your capable hands. Hey, I'll do my best. Ah! Oh, God, is this really happening? This is gonna take Cracker Jack timing, Wang. One, two, three. We may be trapped. Total concentration. Safety. Oh, yeah. You ready, Jack? I was born ready. Way to go, Jack. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? 20th Century Fox presents Kurt Russell in John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. On the reflexes. It is big trouble in Little Chinatown, a staple in any little boy's childhood. So, Nona, have you seen this film? <laughs> I have not yet transitioned, so no. What is your problem? This movie is amazing. It's got Kim Cattrall from Sex and the City, the be- ever beautiful Kurt Russell or K Russell, <laughs> as we know him here on the show. And we cross ourselves when we say his name. It's got a lot of problematic racism. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, it's a film of its time, but doesn't take away from one of the coolest movies ever. What's it about, Dave? Jack Burton oh, is a truck driver that goes to Little China to see his best mate and deliver some stuff in his truck. While he's there, he gives his best mate that owes him money a ride to the airport to pick up his wife. While they're there, his wife gets kidnapped by some Asian gangs that are kidnapping local Asian girls that have green eyes. So they get tangled up in the whole plot and basically they end up fighting a an immortal demon. Are you sure it's not the golden child? 
Yeah, it's <laughs> it's released the same year as The Golden Child, and The Golden Child was actually rushed through production to come out before this film. No. I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. Like, not have I not just not seen it? I've never heard of it. That just shows you've never, ever listened to this show, ever, ever. If I don't mention the film uh, Dreamcatcher... I talk about Big Trouble in Little China. I just can't believe you haven't seen you know this film. What, you're not allowed to mention Dreamcatcher anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Cassandra's dad from Wayne's World 2. Right. Uh, how can I not sell you this? It's got Kim Cattrall from Police Academy. Yeah. And Mannequin. And please watch this movie. Oh, look, I'll give it a... I would love you to watch this movie and tell us what you think. Like, let's do it. Truth. Let's do it for the podcast. Can we do that? Yeah, let's like, do seriously, it. Seriously, it would be amazing to see someone... That is never in 2019 seen. to watch that movie and just see what. It... <laughs> that would be Stop so amazing. Stop shaking your head, Mister Steve Martin hater face. No, no, it's, it's, it would be more like a social experiment. Like, I mean, it's just like. All right, let's do it. Yeah. All right, we'll lock it in. Yeah, but it's uh, one of the best movies of all time. So mm. just go into it with that in your mind, and you'll be fine. What is the next film you guys would like to talk about from 1986? From 1986, I would also like to talk about Stand By Me because I actually recently watched this again and man, does it stand up and man, does I cry again. Really? <laughs> so it still stands the test of time? Oh, it does, yeah. yeah. okay. Richard Dreyfuss does get like a little annoying, <laughs> but like it's okay. Wait, you hear this? What is it? You guys want to go see a dead body? Jesus! <laughs> this is really a good time. I want to see a dead kid. Maybe it shouldn't be a party. I'm never going to get out of this town, am I, Gory? You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, crack? I'll kill you, I swear to God. And we live in a time, finally, I never thought it would happen, 2019, the year that River Phoenix becomes the less successful Phoenix brother. That's insane. Yeah, 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 i got to say, because for so long it was always River Phoenix's brother. Yes. And now he's his own person. Uh, All we had to do was make Incel the movie and it's fine. Stand by me, I totally forgot John Cusack's in it. John Cusack's the, is the brother that passed away yep watching this movie uh just recently i f- i completely forgot that um what's his face uh cory his ears cory feldman off. his ears bent off because like his dad like yeah uh, like, abused his, him. like each one of these kids have got like a really problematic sort of uh, and yeah. i just, i think i glossed over that when i watched it when i was a kid and it's like wow like, like, as an adult, when you know actual trauma, oh, and isn't like, it funny to see such a likable character from Will Wheaton yep. to grow into such an unlikable adult? I cannot stand his face. Everything he's in, really, me. yeah, he's oh, just mind him. He he's much like an adult Fred Savage to me, where it's just like <laughs> you still look like you looked, but I just There's don't like you wrong anymore, with that Fred. <laughs> this movie is great, and I'm trying to think what TV show I was recently watching, but they're at the hospital seeing a family member. 
And the family member's like in bed and they're all like, oh, you're going to pull through? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And they get talking and the doctor's like, oh, he's not going to make it. And the guy's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he goes, hey, have you guys seen Stand By Me? And they're like, yeah. He goes, do you want to see a dead body? And they all look at each other. And then he just flatlines. And I was like, oh, best joke I have ever seen. I can't even think what show it was, but it was amazing. And I hope that's my last words. This movie made me hate Kiefer Sutherland. Like him, not like him ever again. Have you seen movie? the behind the scenes news that he basically, because he was only a little bit older than the characters, yeah. but he was meant to play much older, he actually just tormented all the actors on set. Yep. Really? Yeah. Um, this and um, what's the one with where he plays the Ku Klux Klan guy? Um, oh. I'm not sure. With um, Sandra Bullock and Matthew Connor, Tom to Kill. He plays one of the... He, uh, kidnaps Sandra Bullock in that movie and like leaves her out in the swamp to die and I'm just like are you good in anything? <laughs> Keeper Sutherland for me was this and The Lost Boys yep. but then in the 90s saw Freeway with uh, Reese Witherspoon and him oh. and he plays the worst human on earth in that movie and then and he's it like saying us all in 24 I'm just like I can't buy it <laughs> you're gonna take me out in a truck <laughs> and ask me weird questions this um, is perhaps Corey Feldman's greatest role well, <laughs> there's another movie we'll be covering tonight where he plays a really good role. Actually, no, it's not. There's a one before that. Uh, a little, a little uh, the last chapter, Friday the 13th. He was also Wait, in Gremlins. Who, which character does Corey Feldman play? The kid with glasses. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, or Corey Feldman. The um, <laughs> the favourite scene um, used to be the, the throwing up the pies. Like I still, and I still watched it and I was like, oh man. Lardass's pie eating This contest. is hard to watch. <laughs> My favourite scene, and it always stuck with me because we had a railway bridge in Broken Hill, was the railway bridge. And that, that is... got ruined for me by Family Guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the train just keeps coming back and forth. Switching gears a bit, um, and this is going to be, unfortunately, a, another podcast episode. Highlander came out this year, <laughs> in 1986, and man, I watched... Half of this, I caught it um, recently on TV. It is a horrible, horrible movie. From another time comes a man of great power. Talk funny, Nash. Where are you from? Lots of different places. A warrior of incredible strength. You've the devil in you. We've been kinsmen 20 years. Connor McLeod was my kinsman. I don't know who you are. Because you were born different, men will fear you, try to drive you away. man uncertain of his future. What you got here, Brenda, is a guy who's been creeping around since at least 1700. It's not possible. And haunted by his past. Wait a minute, Nash. I want some answers. You cannot die, McLeod. I am Connor McLeod of the clan McLeod. I was born in 1518 in the village of Glenfinnan on the shores of Loch Shiel. Now I am immortal. <laughs> A hero who is about to face his greatest challenge. You will always be weaker than I. What can you tell me about a seven-foot lunatic hacking away with a broadsword at one o'clock in the morning, New York City, 1985? Not much, for he is not alone. In the end, 
one. Highlander, there can be only one. It looks bad. It's poorly acted, except for Clancy Brown, because yeah. I don't think he's acted badly in anything ever. He's always the standout performer. The thing about this movie is the entire musical soundtrack of this film is done by Queen, and that is the modern-day equivalent of, like, say a new action movie came out next week, and the whole music was done by T-Pain. It's all just that <laughs> audio voice popped over the whole thing where it's like... Oh, this really doesn't age well. What's the premise here? What Highlander. I, yeah. People, all these people spread out across the world have this thing called the, the quickening. quickening, which is special powers, and they're all immortal. But if you kill another immortal, all the immortals left alive share the strength and power that you have. So the more immortals or Highlanders that you kill, the stronger you become. And a character called the Kurgan is also a Highlander, He's going through the world killing all of the Highlanders he can to get all the power. Right. And he gets all the way down till there's only three left, which is... Um, Christopher Lambert. Yeah, Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery. Yeah. See, this kind of sounds like a, a good storyline. Okay, the, the best thing about this movie is that um, all the way through, you start going... Because he's lived for so many years, it actually cuts back to like... So it starts off, he's in the Highlands of Scotland, like back in the day, like Braveheart times. Then you see him in World War Two. Like it's it does chop and change right, okay. the timelines. That's awesome. It's just that the people acting in it aren't. Yeah. So yeah. like it doesn't sync up. And then even though they're going back in time, they're still queen. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, that that's the weirdest thing is to see like a battle on like abrasive Freddie Mercury. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just wish it was like a few of the big queen songs are in there, but I just wish it was like all the hits. So they're like um they're in like the middle of like a massive battle, like in Braveheart, and you just hear "Fat Bottom Girls." Because I remember when Bohemian Rhapsody came out, when I was working at the time, was playing the the soundtrack, was like, and like someone even said, "It's like, oh, it's cool. We get to listen to Queen all day." I'm like, you know what? There is a such thing as too much Queen. Like it it gets grating after a while. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, because their their hits are good, but then they had a bunch. They had eight other songs on that album, and they weren't good. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's always those ones that you hear, and you can tell it's Queen, but you're just like, what? Well, what that's is pretty this? Mercury, but I don't know who he's with. <laughs> it's the ultimate soldier. It doesn't get happy. It doesn't get sad. It doesn't laugh at your jokes. It is quite simply Jim. the most sophisticated robot on earth. At Nova Robotics, the future is in good hands. You're doing real good. Just keep working on those last two bars. Thanks to Dr. Newton Crosby. Originally, I designed it as a marital aid. But artificial intelligence has gotten too smart. No. It's malfunctioning. It might not do anything. But it could decide to blow away anything that moves, couldn't it? Because $11 million worth of robot just hit the road. Wow! Number five is alive. Welcome to my planet. You just have to find number five, get some answers. Why don't you come on in my house? And it's got a lot of living to do. Whatever it takes to put that stupid contraption out of commission, that's what you do. Me in first. I haven't had 
enough of this stuff. More input. More input. And they can seem quite lifelike, but they are still machines. Oh. Number five is alive. Nice software. How it happens, who knows, but it has happened. A new comedy adventure from John Battam, the director of War Games. They're going to be after you. we got to get out of here now. Keep alive! Ali Sheedy. Steve Gutenberg and number five. Beautiful. Short circuit. I am alive. Short circuit. Yeah. Number five is alive. Why it, do you like this film? Well, I just have memories of it as a child, and I remember bawling my eyes out. When the little robot died. I thought until we did this episode that I was a massive fan of Short Circuit. Turns out I'm a massive, massive fan of Short Circuit too. Right. Okay. So am I getting confused perhaps? The first one, he gets let go into a house. I think it's Ali Sheedy, is it? Yes. He goes and lives with Ali Sheedy, reads all her books and the military are trying to come and get him back. Steve Gertenberg also is... The goose! ...from Police <laughs> Academy thrown in there. The second one is him living with... Michael McKean from uh, Spinal, Spinal Tap, Tap. Yeah. as well as Fisher Stevens playing a really stereotypical Indian character in the second one, like full-on accent, oh, brown Stevens. face. Oh. But it is a really good movie because that's the one where Johnny Five joins a punk band, a punk gang, gets a <laughs> mohawk of bullets and gets like chains and tattoos and graffiti. It is the height of the franchise. But this movie... It's fantastic, and I've got to say, the first one, because at the fir- the start of it, Johnny Five, you don't realise, because it gets, basically it's a military r- dangerous robot that gets hit by lightning and grows a soul, you forget he's actually pretty scary for the first 20 minutes of the movie, because he looks <laughs> scary, and it's not until he grows a personality, basically. Something that you've been trying to do. Uh, still working on it. What are we talking about now, Polly? Uh, <laughs> we're doing horror movies now. <laughs> Paul looks like he's seen a ghost. <laughs> just ahead of it. Okay, so cut it out, Paul. This is <laughs> this is. I just told Paul Lafer I had an adult circumcision, <laughs> and he didn't take it well because because well you said it, and then we were back on, and we didn't have time to kind of reflect on this. I'm glad I wasn't drinking water. Be a spit taken out. This was a pretty classic year for horror movies. Uh, we had The Fly. We had which has I'm I've said it many times before. I'm not a fan of body horror in horror films. This is probably the second most upsetting body horror film after Videodrome. I like the fact that like Jeff Goldblum used to do movies where he wasn't just like the the the, the comfy sex piece. He's <laughs> just like I'm just gonna like schmooze in here and just like sort of say a couple of like lines. I still love that photo clip, uh, like meme of him that's doing the rounds at the moment, where it's like people always ask me, "Is it Goldblum or Goldblum?" And I always tell them the same thing: "How dare you talk to me." <laughs> Um, We had uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which is one of probably the first like dirty, gritty sort of um, torture, torture horror. Pretty much, I didn't know who Michael Rooker was until Mole Rats. So then seeing that he was well known for Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah. So if you want to see where what's the blue dude in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Yonder. Yeah. So if you want to see him as a gritty serial killer, go check out Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Basically, if you want to see one of the other skeleton parts of the Joker. 
check out Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah. Um, April Fool's Day, Demons 2 um, also came out. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Which oh, wow. It's just a... Oh, Dennis Hopper. Good. Dennis Hopper. I've had an issue with Dennis Hopper this week because I decided to <laughs> revisit... one. <laughs> I decided to revisit George A. Romero's Land of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Wow. Because he's, uh, he's the guy that's in the He's tower. basically... Uh, um, Donald Trump. No, no, no. It's George Bush at the time. So oh, yeah. he's an allegory of that. But more so... <sighs> Why didn't John Leguizamo get to be in any good movies at all? Because he's a great actor. I remember that was the first time in a while that I got... I, was, I went to the movies and paid for, uh, for Scarcity Land of the Dead and I was so disappointed. And I, <laughs> It's such a bad movie. Me and my wife had just got together in that year. Yeah. So we saw it together at the cinemas and I was really upset because I'm like, who is this leading man? He's terrible. She's like, Simon from Home and Away. I'm like... Who's that? No, not Simon. <laughs> what? And so Simon Baker. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. did not know he was a Home and Away alumni. Nah. And I, I, I never just, knew that. He, the guy from The Mentalist. Yeah. He's terrible. Yeah. I, always, I only know him from LA Confidential. Um, oh, is he in that? Yeah, he's oh, in that. He's in that. He's part of the... I believe he's part of the um, the influence on the flavour Vanilla. Isn't that... He <laughs> yeah, was the inspiration? Him, yeah. yeah. He's the, the most... The beige. <laughs> yeah. He is the most vanilla actor on earth. Um, that movie, like, that's when I started going, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe they shouldn't let George Romero make movies anymore. <laughs> maybe I he's just past it. would rather watch a screensaver than something Simon Baker's in. But I've got to say, <laughs> I did get excited seeing Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright pop up. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, as long as you don't Google real life, Adriatini, uh, Adria, Asia Argento is really good in that film. Not a method actor, however. Um, we also had uh, two of the well, the worst uh, sequels to existing franchises. So we got Poltergeist two, yeah, which is okay. pretty bad, and Psycho three. Which Psycho isn't... three? There was four Psychos. <laughs> the fourth one's just very confusing. Um, one of my favorite movies. And of they all, all had Anthony Perkins return, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. He had nothing. Else. He had nothing else going on. Smooth. Oh, one of my favourite movies of all time, The Hitcher, uh, was released with Rooker Hauer. Rooker Hauer, yeah. Um, they remade it in 2008 and it was really, really terrible. Was it remade with Steve Zahr and Paul Walker? Was that a different movie? No, that's... Movie? Um, that's, uh, Let's watch that movie again. It's got that Lily Sobieski in it too. No um, idea. Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about, but no, nah, it's, it's, it's I always Mitch mix The Hitcher up with a Stacey Keach movie. <laughs> with him and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, maybe? No. Okay. It's That's, a road I'm movie. I'm sure Stacey Keach and yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis was in a movie in the 80s. Um, Joyride's the um, one with um, Steve Zahn. Um, my favourites from this year would be, um, because I saw it recently again, uh, Chopping Mall. I um, watched it for one of the reviews I'm doing on the, the Facebook, and it is... If Johnny Five like was like made everyone believe in robots and and, and love them, Chopping Mall <laughs> is like the worst. <laughs> the funniest fact about that movie that I read was it was originally called Killbots, yeah. and they decided it didn't sum up the no. movie about killer robots, so they changed it to Chopping Mall. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a, a mall in America that's huge. It's, it's the um uh, the Galleria from Terminator Two. Yes, um, and they're not. It's not explained why. But they get these robots to be security for it, and they look terrible. Like it looks like this 
um, there's like little people in a box just like <laughs> on bikes <laughs> and um, the, the lasers are, are terrible. There isn't, there was a now famous um, head explosion scene from that one that they liked it so much and you know they liked it because they replay it at the end of the credits in slow motion. Um, if, you don't see, if, you don't get, if you don't get a chance, you're missing out. Chopping wall. We also had, I'm leading up to the best one of the year, but my favourite, well, second favourite, uh, Friday the 13th, part six, this is when they started to realise what they were and had some fun with it. And they had Alice Cooper and he released the song that we play bi-weekly. Yeah. <laughs> the man behind the mask from Alice Cooper. This is the one where... Um, so, picture this. Uh, you're opening up with... Do you, ever, do you ever watch Welcome Back, Cotter? Yep. Remember Horseshack? Yeah. Yeah. Him and uh, a grown-up Corey Feldman, like <laughs> his character from the fourth one. Not Corey Feldman. Tommy himself, Jarvis, isn't Tommy it? Tommy Jarvis. Yep. They go and um, Tommy Jarvis wants to kill Jason, so he sticks <laughs> he sticks a metal uh, pole into Jason, and then a, a, a lightning hits it, and Jason is then reborn, and then he becomes the Terminator, and you cannot kill him <laughs> for the next like five movies. They went to eleven technically yeah. with the reboot with the reboot in two thousand and nine. Yeah, um, this one is awesome though because yeah, it finally was like funny. Slash a horror, like they didn't try and even remotely try to be um, serious anymore. Remember after this one, they then went then the, went the, the telekin- telekinesis girl in the seventh one, and then he went to New York. Did in the eighth <laughs> one. <laughs> Jason takes Manhattan. Did Tony Todd not turn up in Edie's heart at some point? That's Jason not, that's goes not to Tony hell? Todd. It's um another dude. It's, it's either Tony is. Todd or Jesus from the Losing My Religion music video, because <laughs> that's what my memory is telling me. What? There is a guy that eats his heart. Though. What ended up happening, I never saw Jason versus Freddy. Mm-hmm. So who won? No, it was a draw. Ugh. Because they basically... He cut uh, Jason, Jason cuts his head off, but then as he's walking up the water in a very, very horrible slow motion walk, that they had to, they've actually had to slow down the film, then uh, Freddy's eyes open. And he and, winks and at he, the camera. He winks and then you hear him laughing and then... Um, and then he, El Nino kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> um, How very dare you. That we, is drowning pool. We need... <laughs> yeah, sorry. We need to do... Like, medically need to do Free vs. Jason Agreed. on the podcast. 100% Oh agree. my lord, that movie is terrible <laughs> no, I strongly don't agree but the best movie of the horror sci-fi genre of that film of that year is got to be aliens uh maybe the best sci-fi action horror movie ever made on the radio version of dvg we do the guest choice special yep. where they pick their 10 favorite films of all time and aliens would be top four films of all time obviously you get one which is goodfellas which everyone picks Two would be Labyrinth, funnily enough. Three would be Aliens. And yes. four is Temple of Doom because they're all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, Aliens is like the second helping of dessert with like jelly and... and who directs <laughs> Who directs it, Paulie? Oh, your boy. My boy. Who's been suspiciously quiet on this whole Marvel thing, hey? Well, we just heard Have you heard that- about this? So Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola are like old directors have come out and said that they don't like the Marvel movies. They think that they're like... They're not cinema. They're not cinema. Right. And they sh- they're just like a sideshow and um, everyone's like... And we, we are living in the same time where still, Steven Spielberg says that Netflix shouldn't be allowed to win any awards for anything. Basically all the old directors are like, get off my lawn. James, <laughs> James Cameron last year did say he was sick of superhero movies and superhero culture. I'm sick so of that's, Blue Cats. So... I just wish 
Marvel movies would get off of these old guys' lawns. Because, you know, they're just trying to sit on their deck chairs and water their lawns, and clearly Marvel movies are ruining it for all these amazing directors. You know what I'm sick of, Steven Spielberg? You putting, like, every one of your movies into Replayer 1 and basically just like, here's my back catalogue. Hey. Hey. Someone's got to play. Much like the... Sizzle reel the movie. <laughs> it's much like I recently watched the movie Yesterday. The, oh, um, the Beatles one. The Beatles one. Yeah. And Ed Sheeran's in it. And I'm like, I read somewhere that he didn't get paid very much to be in it. It has... 1,100 of his songs in that movie. And I'm like, he's doing well with royalties with this. Oh, nice. Uh, so, yeah, Aliens is just so good. Um, have I, you seen any of the Alien films? Aliens. No, no. Uh, I've seen number one and... E.T. <laughs> this is the one where the uh, where there's lots of aliens. Yeah, I've, I've and seen... And lots the, of soldiers. I've yes. seen the first one when they first go up there and everything. And yep. Yeah, with the main chick. What's her name? Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Ripley. <laughs> Sorry The main chick The main chick um, You don't have to be nice to Paul by the way No you don't You remember what he said about Steve Martin Just remember that when you talk to him You don't and, have to unsquint your eyes And I've, and I've seen the one where she gets pregnant with an alien or something Or she becomes like bald. the mother of Oh that's resurrection yeah. <laughs> Beautiful film uh, The Yeah the, after Aliens, it did the, the the franchise did take a bit of a a downturn until I think two thousand and four when Alien vs Predator came out. Agree, strong agree. That's uh, eighteen years, eighteen long years. But only two other movies to come out. That's criminally. I always long. look at this fact that we grew up where good Star Wars films outweighed bad Star Wars films, good Aliens film outweighed bad Aliens film, good Indiana Jones films outweighed. Bad ones, but tides are a changing. There was more good Spielberg movies than there weren't. Have you heard? And I, I don't want to ruin it, but <laughs> apparently, first reviews of the new Terminator are pretty good. Yeah, best since T two. I've heard. I didn't stay really? up. Really? I didn't stay up watching all of Graham Norton just because it had uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'd recommend anyone check it out. It's got Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, and Deborah Harry's skeleton. Oh, wow. <laughs> she has not aged well. Uh, yeah, so uh, all um, preliminary reports are saying that's just one of the best ones, but then um, every single site I saw also said that the bar is pretty low. <laughs> Genesis was like the one before that that they everyone thought was good. So we are talking about the year 1986. We've had a look through the television and a lot of the films. What else are some of the big things that stick out for you? Did you guys know about the... Uh, Pixar was created in 1986. Was it? I can only imagine what they would have been churning out at that point. Yeah, well, I I wonder what they were working on. Also, that was the year of what's known as the famous FBI Miami shootout, which I looked into and it reminded me very much of that story, the Hollywood shootout that we were both obsessed with through here. (laughs) Um, Pretty much two armed men took down about six or seven FBI agents and uh, because... The agents had the police issue guns, which were quite weak. And the other two guys had Uzis. So, needless to say. But the good thing is that they learned and they made them illegal. Oh, wait. Um, For comedy (laughs) that year, we also had Australia was on the map, finally. Because Crocodile Dundee came out. The movie that single-handedly created the Australian film industry. Whether or not that be for the better or worse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, we wouldn't have the 
quality Australian films we have now without Crocodile Dundee. No and one, also like the um The just, whole world would not be watching Kenny if it wasn't for Mr. Hogan's. The whole world heroes. wouldn't be thinking that we live in like Swampland with kangaroos and crocodiles everywhere too. But we also wouldn't be letting people know what knives were because that's what Australians Knife duty to do. I'm say so. And look, I, I, I hate this movie so much. It's such Why? A, it's a terrible movie. I think it, it's... It misrepresents, misrepresents Australia. Paul no, Hogan's questionable no, at best. No, no. Paul Hogan reminds me way too much character-wise of my dad. <laughs> so <laughs> I, that's probably because I'm from the outback. But. So moving on with, from that, we had um, The Golden Child, which we were... Um, uh, basically, Eddie Murphy wanted to do that. He was really invested in that and he wanted to really play up um, some of no, the No, he wasn't. Look into it. He did not want to do any of the dialogue in the film. So but, he made up all his own dialogue and they had to cut it together in a way that made sense because he refused to do what they <laughs> wanted. But then I think, like, like, I heard, like, once he got into it, though, like, I think... Well, because he was saying that when that bombed, he said, oh, but, you know, everyone likes Indiana Jones, but, you know, a white guy with a, a hat and a knee turned into a bit of a race <laughs> issue. Um, we also had... That was the year Chernobyl happened. So, essentially the development stage of the Netflix special or the Amazon Prime TV show. <laughs> Do you know when Chernobyl happened, I had to, like, that was when I was born and where I was born, my mum had to get all her, like, she was informed at the time she was pregnant with me that she had to get all her um, food specifically washed and all of this kind of stuff and the doctors actually, like, warned her. They're like, look... We're not sure what your baby will look like when it comes out. Don't, that explains don't. so very much. <laughs> so here I am. And uh, I was know. like, when 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 you when I see something like a joke forming in your head, like it's like I can see it, like you start like glowing. <laughs> it's all the chalk writing. It's like it's like beautiful mind of how horrible I can be. Um, we also had the Money Pit, which is an awful movie. Um, that's the Tom Hanks movie Shelley where they Long. start doing up the house and it, everything breaks. Yeah, I'm that not movie sucks. There's so many movies from the '80s where the premise was like not even enough to write, write a comedy skit, <laughs> yeah. but it got extended. What's the one where they're moving and they decide to take the entire house with them? I can't, oh, I can't think. It's similar to Money Pit. We had a uh, Back to School with. Uh... Roddy Dangerfield. Hey, have you not seen Back to School? Yeah, it's not the diving one, is it? No. No, I don't think I've <laughs> I, seen I it. think everyone should watch Back to School. Uh, one movie I saw, this is the movie that I always saw on um, late at night in the 90s, Wildcats with Goldie yeah. Horn. Oh, uh, yeah, the football movie. Yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 and I always remember the bit where like they've all got no pants on and she's like the coach and I was like, <laughs> I always seem to watch um, on that bit. I watched different late night movies in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> We had also um, uh, Jumping Jack Flash, which I'd only mentioned because um, in high school, for a week, I had to help out at a, at a nursing home. And I remember at on movie day... You had dreadlocks? On movie day, they said, <laughs> we're going to watch Jumping Jack Flash. And the you could feel the room, just the hate <laughs> of this movie. Like, it's not a great movie, but like, you've got like, you know, 20 or so pensioners also hating it. It's palpable. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds delightful. Uh, so yeah, for um, for comedy, it wasn't too bad. Like it was, uh, we'll ah, oh, Big Trouble came out. Yes, your the weird um, Dan Aykroyd film. 
Oh, the nothing but trouble. Oh, is that nothing? No, no, no. no. I got yeah. Sorry, I, I must mix that one those one up. But yeah, so comedy. It was a good year for that. We also had taking uh, a look over at what was going on at the Oscars that year. So that that's more of a reflection of the previous year. But uh, some of the big names. The best picture of the year went to Sidney Pollock for Out of Africa. Best actor from Kiss of the Spider Woman was William Hurt. The best actress was from A Trip to Is it Bountiful? From Geraldine Payne. I don't know. I can't read. Best Supporting Actress went to Angelica Houston. Everyone would know her simply from Daddy Daycare. (laughs) (laughs) Out of Africa won a lot of awards. uh, Best Director and Witness won Best Original Screenplay. That movie is fantastic. A future episode of the podcast. Uh, Actually, it is peak young Harrison Ford, which I know what a fan of you are. Yeah. Yeah. Double click that mouth. And then going into the action movies, we had uh, Cobra, which we found out recently was um, Eddie Murphy's is uh, the Beverly Hills Cop <laughs> script that was being that got rejected, and Stallone's like, oh, "I'll do it." And um, then we also had How the Duck, which is now being made into a TV show by Kevin Smith. Oh, I'm on board when it's got Kevin Smith involved. Uh, Armed and Dangerous, which is one of my favorite movies. I don't know why. I just love that movie. It's got uh, I have Eugene it on VHS, Levy. Yes, but I've Eugene never Levy and jo- John Candy become uh, security guards at a <laughs> warehouse where some bad stuff's going down. Robert Lozier's in there. So it's a proto Paul Blart. Um, there is like a very distinctive um, uh, where they where they dress up in uh, BDSM uh, or John <coughs> Candy in like a like a. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yeah, he basically dressed up in women's clothing and it's just it's something that you'll never forget. <laughs> Pretty in Pink came out in 19. Pretty in Pink came out in t- yeah. Um That's the, another John Hughes movie. Oh, so yeah. A big year. Not as um that's not the one. Is that the one with the Sixteen Candles? That's sixteen candles you're thinking about, yeah. <laughs> I'd pretty think it's the one the one I've I've watched the least. Um that's got yeah, uh, yeah. Molly Ringwald. John Cryer. John Cr- yep. Yeah. It's got Ducky. John Cryer from Top Gun. Uh, so yeah, with the, um, there was a lot of decent, uh, action out that, that year, but it was, it definitely was more of a, a comedy horror, I think. Um, and also Big Trouble in Little China, obviously takes the jewel in your crown. <laughs> Future episode of the podcast with Nona What's Mona. happen? Give me the goods. Cool. So, uh, anything that, else? <laughs> that is pretty much our look at 1986. Where can people check out what you're doing in life, Nona Mona? I'm not doing a lot, so it's probably not worth checking out, but, um, True. you know. <laughs> uh, you can catch me on all social medias at Miss Nona Mona. That's it. Insta, Twitter. And you have a radio show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you always have to remind me about this. <laughs> um, yeah, so How I'm, long have you been doing it? Five years. And you still forget about yeah, it? Yeah. It's literally not a part of my life. Um, every Sunday night at 9pm on 89.7 PBAFM, we're the show with me and two other dudes. And people can check that out on the website, (laughs) which goes to air 9pm Sunday nights, Australian Central Standard Time. And get onto my podcast, listen to Nona, because there's 12 episodes. Just don't, just don't. It's a... (laughs) It's a poorly built Lego house that's not yeah, finished and, and it's never really will be. offensive. So if you are snowflakey, don't watch it. So not not for fans of DVG is what you're saying. 
Well, we might go back into the music to finish things off this evening. Nona, thank you so much for Thanks joining for us. Thanks for having me, guys. Shout out to our good friend Sophie that couldn't make it this evening. Paulie, thank you for another good week. Thank you.